Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Happy New Year. It's 2015. I hope you're all feeling suitably refreshed and, uh, well, looking forward to this calendar year of spectacular podcasting and uh, Premier League action. Christ, I feel like a, a BT presenter or something here. Um, but I am, yes, the one of the hosts. I, I, I always get in trouble of calling myself the host, but the host to Trunk, joined as ever by... Now award-winning, um, as voted for by the UMAXIT team, Raj Baines. How are you doing, Raj? What, what, what was your award for, mate? It's for comparing Jose Mourinho to Taylor Swift. Um, it's not something that I ever foresaw happening, to be honest. Um, that article in particular would be picked out um, for some sort of special recognition. But I'm extremely uh, proud it was. It was a, a great honour. Um, given that, that the, the website usually produces quite uh, a high level of opinion and a, a decent level of writing, the fact that my slightly tongue-in-cheek take on the progression Chelsea have had this season was, uh, was uh, as I say, singled out. It was, um, it was quite a nice surprise, to be honest. This is your joint venture with Bearded Genius, isn't it? I don't know if that's and, the way and, you want to advertise it. And the podcast that you're uh, leaving me in the dirt for, yeah? It's the podcast that I do on the side, yeah. It's, it's yeah, very much okay. my second okay. venture. It's, this okay. this is home, obviously. I'm not allowed to swear on that one, although I do my best to kind of... Uh, trick Arsenal fans into admitting that they're a one-man team and whatnot and take the mick out of everyone else the best I can. I mean, we've got a Liverpool fan on who's a regular, so this week I'm going to just be asking him about how overrated Steven Gerrard is, so it's, it's, it's my venture to just wind up other people rather than just you, Jack, so it's, it's quite nice. Unleash the Rob Brown on them. Yeah, um, that's what I like to do, yeah. So, uh, I don't know if you can hear him giggling away slightly in the background. We are also joined, as ever, by, I'm sure, probably award-winning at some point, um, Mr. Seb stafford Blue, or the Premier League Owl, as you may know him. Yeah. Hello, Seb. Um, I Welcome don't, I back. I giggle. I, I, I roar with laughter. I, I think I'm <laughs> fine, actually. A hearty belly laugh. I, I laugh like a marine. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you won any awards? Uh, no, I um, I got shortlisted um, by the FSF last year, but uh, I got done by Arsblog, my category. I'm afraid. Um, mm, that's a bit like the, I think the Fighting Cock, Fighting Cock got yeah, done by them as well. They, didn't they? I, I think I took it better. They, they um, I, I think they were at um, the Football Blogging Awards. Um, and um, yeah, no, they uh, apparently there wasn't a great reaction to not winning that by all accounts. Um, oh, really? oh really? Yeah, apparently so. Um, but um, a little plug first, actually, because I um, there's a the website of Football Report have done a kind of um, 
a roundup of football writing for 2014, and, and they very kindly included me in that. So if you don't like my writing, fair enough, but there's also lots of um, lots of really good pieces in there. Um, so have a look for that if you like. It's uh, well recommended. It's a big shout-out to a football report as run by Mr. Eric Beard, who is a, he's actually a colleague of mine, which is interesting enough. But is that a real name? Yeah, Eric Beard. Beard Be- or Beardinho, as he likes to be known. He doesn't listen to this, so you can you can uh, you know. I just kind of more you want. I just enjoy people of real life names that sound like their uh, stage names. Mm-hmm. There we go. Stage. Why, why is it a stage name? It just sounds Beard. like a stage name. I mean, I've never heard of anybody called Beard in my life. It just sounds like he's made it up. It's like a comedian's name, isn't it? He actually has a pretty exceptional beard as well. You'd have to really, wouldn't you? If you were like, so, if you were like, had very low levels of ter- testosterone. It would uh, uh, just be quite unfortunate. It's a hard name to pull off, Beard, isn't it? I think you, 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 it, you, you know, it creates a mental image. If you haven't seen the person, you, you know, Eric Beard, that's a, that's a strong, that's powerful a really, name. That's a powerful male name. Oh, precisely. You expect, a, you expect a firm handshake from you, Eric yeah. Beard. Well, can you imagine also how many times he's introduced himself and some bastard has made a gag about, oh, you've got a beard. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like, which is which is what I just did. So you're you're that you. person, Dan. I am. I am. I'm that guy. I'm very proud of yourself. <laughs> I am every day. Every day. As I, Does he uh, introduce yeah. himself as like, "Hi, my name's Eric Beard. Beard by name. Beard by nature." He doesn't. Um, he should. I, I, if could, could, I could suggest. Yeah, that if he you could pass that, that across. I will do. I'll, I'll uh, get him to. I'll get him to have a listen to this. Hello, Eric. If you do end up listening, I'll know. Um, which I, I'm going to test him now, Eric. If you have listened to this, I want you to talk to me about I don't know bananas. There you go. All right. What the hell am I going on about? I have no idea. Um, should we talk about some football, lads? I reckon we should. It's been a for everyone pretty hectic, festive period, as you'd expect. So I guess we'll start with who did we probably play Burnley first, didn't we? Yeah. Mm. What did everyone make of that? It's all right. Um, it was a decent win at home. Uh, they scored quite a decent goal, than we did as well. But it was um, it was nice to see a promoted side or what is deemed to be a lower level Premier League side actually come to White Island and attempt to play against us because um, the regularity that teams come and kind of sit and look for a point um, is quite disappointing, really, because it never really allows either team to to get on with the game and it's it's a stifled um stifled ninety minutes. It's it's quite poor to watch. But that one was was very open. They gave a very good account of themselves. They're probably disappointed that they didn't get a point out of it, but I think we were we were very good. Um to, to hit back in the way we did. There was some sort of a mental rigidity showed to to come back from from, you know, dropping a, a goal and uh, the Lamella winner was fantastic and I think he, he had one of his best games for us in that one just because it was so open he was allowed the room and the time that he needed to kind of give his game what it needed and it was um it was a, it was a decent show to be honest I quite enjoyed that one he also he seems to like Lamella really seemed to benefit from having Walker outside him um, sort of progress down the right hand side he just seemed a little bit freer. Didn't seem to have two defenders in front of him every time he touched the ball, which is which is nice. And yeah, his goal was obviously great. But um, yeah, just so positive. 
was a great goal. Um, there was a, the, you mentioned as well the the great goal for Burnley, Raj, and I believe that was scored by Mr. Danny Ings, who is someone. It was Ashley Barnes. Ashley Barnes. Was it? Oh fuck, Ashley Barnes. Well, we'll talk about <laughs> Danny Ings anyway. Look, give me a break. I've just come back to this. I don't actually watch football. This is just an ego fest for me. That was a fun, um, fantastic segue, by the way. That. <laughs> yeah, it was. Wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I want to, do, do you want me to just leave you two to talk about rugby league? Shall I do that? Shall there's, I just take the head? There's been no rugby on recently. It's quite depressing. We, we've got a, a month until Super League comes back, so we'll let you have this one. Right, well, Ashley Barnes scored a good goal. But someone who also plays for Burnley, <laughs> Danny Ings, has been heavily linked to Tottenham recently. Uh, would you? Would you? Either you'd be happy to take him? I, I believe he's out of contract in the summer, so we should probably be able to get him quite cheap. I'll be all right, to be honest. It's like that time we got linked to Gary Hooper. Yeah. I, well, I, he, um, he's out of contract in the summer, but Burnley not going to let him go in January because why would you? I mean, given how integral he is to them staying in the Premier League, the value of them avoiding relegation is far greater than anything they could get for selling him now. Um, and from our perspective, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. He's a good young player. I, I like his move and I think he's got... A, Lovely instinct in front of goal as well. Um, he scores lots of different types of goal, but where's well, the necessity in a player like that? Really, we've already—you could say—we've already got a player like that on our books now, couldn't you? Really? So, fuck Danny Ings. Um, Eric Lamella as well. He's—he's he's still coming in for quite a bit of stick, but there's there is that as you mentioned, Roger. Is that steady improvement there? Um, He's he's missed our last couple of games through injury, apparently. Um, but are, are you at this midway point in the season? Have you been happy with his progression overall? Do you think he could be doing a bit more, or do you think he's just he's on track in what is essentially his first Premier League season? No, he's doing really well. I think he's been much like the entire side has um, slowly and steadily fallen into a routine and a, a familiarity with what they're expected to do and how they're expected to play. And as we go along the games and what we've played, we'll, we'll come along to essentially what is the 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 highlight so far of what Pochettino has been trying to do at the club. And I think once all the players are starting to buy into that, there's a, a shared team spirit and ethos, and you know they believe as a collective what they're trying to do together is achievable and it's something that they should try to do he'll he'll improve because of that and um, I think it's only really a, hopefully a matter of time until he starts to to feed into what we're doing we, we've seen it in fits and starts so far and um, he's he's starting to pick it up a bit I mean that, that first Premier League goal will go a, a long way to helping him inside his own head you know say that he can do it at this level I mean it was you could almost Photoshop that that run and finish and put it into what he was doing at Roma a few seasons ago and that was essentially his his highlights from his time in Serie A was coming in on that left foot and either playing a good pass inside into somebody in the box or, or hitting one towards a keeper and it was just a matter of time until he um, he found his feet and found his confidence confidence enough to do that so I'm, I'm I'm very far away from being able to give up on on him yet I'm. Um, I'm quite hopeful about him, to be honest. I mean, he's always got the price tag hanging over him, which, you know, it's unavoidable, really. Um, a team spends £30 million on a player to essentially replace a player like Gareth Bale. Certain sections of the support are going to expect performances in kind. Um, do you think that 
factor will factor into Pochettino's thinking about himself? Because I know that we've spoken about this before, how the fans kind of get on his back quite ridiculously so but do you, do you think that is a genuine concern of the of the management that you know, if a player isn't pleasing the crowd they have to consider that when picking their team I um, I don't think so because I, I think well first of all that, that element of the support who are on his back I mean you and I have said this before but there's a big element of they're on, their, they're on his back because they've given big bold opinions about him in the past and they kind of want to be vindicated in what they say and it's that sort of horrible poisonous fan mentality that seems to exist in the game now. Um, but I don't think Pochettino strikes me as someone that would, you know, that would really pander to what the crowd wants. And, and also, I, I, you know, beyond everything he does on the ball, the men is a really useful player in his system because because of the, the pressing requirement on those front four players and because of the way, you know, you, you say what you like about, you know, how frustrating the Meller is in possession, but his work rate off the ball is immense. It's arguably better than any other forward player at the club and, and you can understand why even if he's you know even if he's still raw and even if he's still you know progressing up the learning curve Pochettino would would um, would keep some faith with him while he's still doing that kind of defensive side I mean he's a, he's, a, he's a bit of a liability when he's in his own half of course but in terms of closing players down and, and actually you know preventing a an opposing back four from playing the ball out from the back he's, um, he's great and and if you don't and honestly, to be honest if, if you don't if you don't see that there is something there not sure you really belong around a football pitch I mean he's he's uh yeah he's got a long way to go of course but as a talent it's there's clearly something special inside him and um worth pursuing of course it is and I think uh, Bocchino agrees with that as well would probably I was gonna say yeah you've just got to hope that he agrees with that and not with uh bullet pointed articles rife with grammatical inadequacies so uh you know Tony Pulis is the manager now <laughs> oh dearie me well he's gone to West Brom so there ends that fairy tale no, you, yeah well I'm sure there'll be something similarly foolish written soon sure. shout out to Tim Sherwood who once again <laughs> missed out on the West Brom job um, never wanted he, it anyway mate never not at all that's true that's true <laughs> Be- beneath, beneath him a Premier League manager's not, role not at his level that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so, following on from from that, we had a, a pretty tricky game actually away to Leicester, and it it was a fairly kind of doom and gloom type response from the result at the time. But I think the context of how Leicester have played after their game against us has shown that it was actually a really really decent result to go to to go there and and get the win. Um, what did I mean? What did you take away from it most of all, Raj? Um, I was quite glad that I didn't have to follow this one online, to be honest. I was actually in the office covering another match while this one was being played. So I only really had half an eye on the uh, the Spurs match centre on the website, which is actually reasonably good, to be honest. It's one of the first times I've ever used it. It's actually a decent resource if, you, if you're ever stuck. Um, during the game and I had a stream of it pulled up on another computer um, and had you know half an hour in it while I was watching another match and and it was it was very much a it was almost like a, a hyper version of the game at Burnley, but Leicester had slightly more chances. They were um, they were very good. They were they were trying. It was obviously a, a trying time for them because they hadn't won in so long, and it was just a, a case of it was one of those matches where a side is utterly more clinical than their opposition because they're, they're slightly better than they are. Well, not slightly, quite significantly better than they are. 
even though they've they've probably been outplayed, if you're being honest about it. It's the type of game that Manchester United, Manchester United back under Ferguson used to have a good three or four of those a season where they'd be outplayed by another side. Usually Tottenham, to be honest, we used to probably get the better of them at White Hart Lane most seasons, but we'd have, often end up losing. And nobody ever complained when they, you know, put in a poor shift but still managed to get the result. It was always seen as a, a sign of champion, so I don't think it should be a negative for us that that's occurring. If, if anything, it should be a sign that if perhaps it's not going to plan, they still have the the belief in themselves and the ability to just sort of claw onto a result is much better because... As, as Seb alluded to earlier, there is that tag of us being soft-centred and us being allowed to be pushed over. And a manager like Pochettino, the way he played, the way he, he manages now, the, the sort of resilience that he wants within his side isn't going to buy into that um, soft-centredness. He's, he's almost comparable to Diego Simeone in some ways, not not saying he's that level of, of manager quite yet, but that's that's the sort of ethos I think they did both share and both admit to. It's it's very much about the collective and I think that's what got us through not only that Leicester game but this entire Christmas period. It was a, a huge sign that the team spirit is as good as it ever has been because the 11 players that have been playing and even when there's been slight rotations it's quite it's quite marked who is playing and who has been left out and it seems as if those that are being selected are being selected not only for their ability but their belief in the system that they're doing and what they're trying to do. I mean, there's been plenty of rumours about the players that have have perhaps had words with Levy or discontent with the management styles or what have you and, and any words between the players. I don't wish to fuel any rumours or whatnot, but I think there's, there's obviously a sign there that Pochettino has picked a core of players who he believes are are able to carry out his plans in the best possible manner. And I think that Leicester, Leicester game was just a, a, another sign of that, to be honest. I was, I was, um, I, I watched the game back properly afterwards and it, and it was, uh, there were some periods in which I, I was, um, surprised that Leicester couldn't convert, but it was just one of those where you're going to have games like that across the season. And, um, it's just good that it came out in our favour. Wow. That was, that was pretty comprehensive there. Uh, things I, I, I'd say I agree with pretty much everything you've said um, anything you care to add, add Ed add Seb I think, so. I did, I think um, not, not on Spurs but on Leicester I, um, I think Leicester are a better team than people think I um, you know up until at no point in the season if they ever I mean I know they've made some, some pretty dreadful errors and you know their results I mean their, their sequence of results have been really poor but They've never at any point lost by more than two goals. And typically, they've lost games because of individual errors rather than because of like silly individual errors and avoided ones rather than like any kind of obvious structural deficiency. And so, you know, you, when you go and beat a team like that away from home, it's always a good result, irrespective of what happens in the actual game. And I know, like, you know, so many other times before, you got Lloris had an awful lot to do with us, you know, um, being in a position to win the game, but you know the, the negativity around him, surrounding that was—I um, don't know—again, it was irritating. It's just that you you won, move on, and um, I don't know. Let's over the next the next couple of months. Let's all surprise some people. They're a well-coached side, I think. Yeah, and I mean, since since our game, like I say, they've they've beaten Hull away, and and they've come back to uh, 
come back from two goals down at Anfield. They, so they as much as a better side in the second half at Anfield, I thought. I, I, I streamed a bit of that game, and, and they were like Liverpool. You know, theoretically, could have won it, but so could Leicester. They were great in that second half. And an absolutely exceptional finish from David Nugent as well. Better, better than Paulo De Canio's, which was goal of the season about was that ten, fifteen years ago or so? Uh, two thousand and one, I think. I don't know. Could be wrong. Big, big call. Nugent's had a couple of those long-range strikes, though. When I've been watching Leicester highlights on match of the day, he's had a couple from the edge of the box that have forced decent saves. It was only a matter of time before he uh, he managed to get one of them in. He's, he reminds me of there's a period last season where Kyle Norton went through this phase of hitting, shooting. Yeah, <laughs> absolute worldies from about forty yards out, and they'll just go close enough to the goal for you to think that they were going to be going in at some point. And you just thought eventually was, he's going to score from 35 yards, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah and yeah. It's, it's not yet happened. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if it ever will, but there was a, a small period in his Tottenham career last season where I thought perhaps he, he has that in his locker. It's like Benoit anti-Semite Okoto, who liked to uh, he liked to crack one and got the odds like thirty-five yarder in, didn't he? As well, Liverpool. I think. Kind of the worst yeah. thing that Liverpool goal in a way was kind of the worst thing that ever happened to him, though, because it meant that any time he got in that range ever again, he thought, <laughs> yeah, you know, probably score from here. Who d- who did he score another one against? Like an absolute thunder bastard. I believe it was, it was Everton. Uh, uh, yeah, but it, Everton. yeah, it came off someone's backside on the way in. It wasn't a clean strike. Lovely hit though. That was the um, that was the Everton game that had to be reorganised because of the riots. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember it was. Um, it was to be we the were first so game of the year, wasn't it? And then it got. Um, yeah. 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 We were so far ahead at that point as well. We all thought that that was going to be the game in which Tottenham obviously slipped up and like. Like, let our game in hand go to waste but we won it and then subsequently we, we slipped up anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've always been a bit of a funny team for us Everton there's a lot of inconsistency with us and them I find but anyway we're not here to talk about Everton um Let's move on to Manchester United, which we played out a bore draw with, but it was actually quite a decent game. Um, and although the, the media narrative or media agenda, I believe, we, is, I think that's the term again, would dictate that Spurs hung on for dear life towards the end, um, I think we actually gave a very good account of ourselves. They, they were pretty much all over us in the first half and there were some well, just sublime kind of heroics from Hugo Lloris, as we've seen on many an occasion in a Tottenham shirt. But uh, the the end of the second half, I don't I don't think they actually had a meaningful chance in the in the last half hour or so, did they? I don't think so. They um they you know that was that was probably the game where I think everyone started to wake up to just how much value there is in um, in Pochettino's um, conditioning based approach. As the game got on, as, as, as the game grew older, we just we got, we got stronger, and um, you know there was, I mean, yeah, they, theoretically they probably could have been two or three up by by half time, but by the end of it, they 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 were, um, yeah, that was our game, um, I think anyway. I don't, I don't, again, I don't, I'm not saying that you know with. Hugo Lloris's performance being exceptional is something that we should be ashamed of. When you when you actually consider like the the attacking options that Manchester United have, it you know it could be the envy of any team in world football, barring maybe Barca and Real Madrid. To be honest, 
They're uh, it's a pretty exceptional forward line that they've got. I've, there were little, little um, bits within that game which were really impressive tactically. Like the, I, um, I love the change in Christian Eriksen from from just being a playmaking, essentially luxury player to someone that is is almost a, a first line of defence. And his his work on Michael Carrick, you know, it's especially um, between after half an hour towards up to maybe 60, 70 minutes was brilliant. He, you know, Carrick had, I, I did a little article on this, and Carrick had something like 30 fewer um, touches or something than his average for the rest of the season. Or at least, uh, yeah. Um, and he was certainly significantly down on the game on the game bef- uh, the week before against um, Newcastle Old Trafford. And that's, you know, that, that that's a real testament to... So not not just Ericsson, but the whole um, forward line and the way in which they take away space and easy passing options for um, for uh, for deep players. It was um, it was great. It was um, you know you, you, there's never a point at which you you can ever really be unhappy with withdrawing with a team like Man United who have that forward line. I don't think anyway. Did you uh, did you have much to say about Bain? Um, again, I was working this one, so I had to watch it back afterwards. And there's a Man United fan in the office, and um, I'd managed to I had to listen to the first half on Five Live because um, I was just getting ready for work and, and couldn't really keep an eye on it. And um, I was in in and out of the shower and whatnot. And uh, as I got into the office, the game had just finished, and uh, I asked the Man United fan, "Oh, how was it? Was it as bad as they made it sound on Five Live? Because Five Live did make it sound like a bar draw. They did make it sound like Tottenham had been clinging on. I'd not had time to watch any of it back or have a look at the statistics or the patterns of play or anything like that. And he went, "No, it was actually very entertaining." He said, um, "United were much the better in the first half. They should have scored." And that, um, he said that he was really impressed with the way in which Tottenham came back in it in the second half and um, given what I'd just listened to on the radio I was quite surprised to hear that but when I watched it back it was an honest assessment of the game to be honest it was if, you, if you're going to be cliche about it you would say it was a game of two halves and it very much went that way I think there was the, the Ryan Mason chance with that, that Harry Kane pass that was absolutely sublime um, between two defenders because he, he didn't look where he passed it he had, a, he had a slight flick with his eyes beforehand just to make sure there was a man over his shoulder and he opened his body up in such a manner that the United defence Fence half leaned and, and shifted their weight to go to the man who, who was on his right, and he just completely blindsided and played it the other opposite direction. Absolutely weighted perfectly, and that's just not something that an average player can do—a player oh, without intelligence. Lovely ball, that it was. Uh, I think that, that was. A specific, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been kind of negative towards Harry Kane, and I'm still relatively reserved, even after um, last night. But that was the moment where you thought. All right, this isn't just a power player. This isn't just someone that you know plays with a lot of enthusiasm can finish. This is someone with a little bit of guile as well. Because the weight on that ball was just beautiful for Mason. Yeah, I think the, the highlight for me of, of that Christmas period was that that pass alone was just one moment of sheer class. I mean, it was unfortunate that Ryan Mason couldn't finish that off. I mean, he he did exceptionally well to beat his man and get there and and make the overlapping run. I think that's half the reason why Pochettino likes him because he is so full blooded in both defence and, and recycling possession and, and getting forward. Uh, it's, it's a shame he's been injured um, because he's I think his career up until now has been quite blighted with that sort of muscular injury and, and quite serious injuries as well so hopefully he avoids that he doesn't doesn't fall into some sort of Sandra trap of being very good when he's ex- when he's you know he's fit but um 
not being able to, to sustain that for long periods. I'm, I'm sensing that they're all very excited to talk about a particular result that <laughs> happened after this, but I do like because I'm noticing all these little just prods, these little yeah, kind of no tears, about tears to order. <laughs> but because it just feels like the most opportune moment to do it, I just want to talk about Hugo Lloris very quickly um, because the the man is totally exceptional he is, he is without doubt the, the best goalkeeper I've ever seen at Tottenham um, I mean my dad who seldom watches football anymore um, still says that he, he reckons Lloris is the best thing he's seen since Jennings so I, I can't say because I've never watched Jennings play but apparently he was very good was old uh, Pat Jennings but um, he uh, we, we're going to be in trouble if he goes wouldn't you say I mean Vorm's a very good keeper but Hugo Lloris really is something else. Um, I mean, can you guys realistically... I, 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 I don't see him going in January, but at the end of the season, it, it, it has to be a worry, surely. Well, it's I, it, it, the same for any player that excels at Tottenham. It's always the case in the summer. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's, kind of, it's hard to second-guess it, but uh, I, the one um, straw I clutch is that he maybe appreciates... He's, he's, in goalkeeping terms, he's, he's still a young man. So he's not at the stage of his career where he has now to play at the highest level or he's not going to get the chance to because he's still, uh, you know, two or three years um, away from his prime. But, I don't know, if you see what's going on, if you see the kind of results like last night, and there's a bit of momentum on the Pochettino, you know, there's a reason to, to stay and be part of something. Um, I don't know, that, that's a... That's kind of a, a fan's reasoning and a kind of um, hope rather than expectation, but I don't know. Um, I share that hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, a, what, a, what a privilege, though, to, to have that guy there. I mean, it's just, it, we, we kind of, we talk about his excellence in a really nonchalant way, but it's because it's exactly what you expect from every single game. He just, yeah. he doesn't surprise you anymore. It's, uh, he's immense. His, um, the fact that he's gotten the captaincy now, even if it's on an unofficial basis, because it doesn't look like there's any route for Kabul back into the side uh, for one reason or another, he's, um, he, he, he wears that band and it, it doesn't look out of place on him whatsoever. He's very vocal. He, he organises defence well. He's, some of the saves he makes are exceptional. There are some, some moments where he does things that are higher risk that you'd perhaps him like him to avoid trying to do in the future but he offsets that with so many good performances and so many point saving performances that it's it's just a it's a trade off that you're willing to make to be honest it's not really like it's not a minule type situation where you think he's going to make more mistakes than he doesn't because that's just not what happens with him I mean he signed the contract earlier this season and he said all the right things in the interview when he did so and of course with the the modern game that really essentially all that means is that the club can ask for more money when somebody comes in for him but He's made um, he's made comments in the past in France when he was linked with moves to both Monaco and PSG from Lyon about not wanting to join that type of club that is just essentially a cash cow and is there to breed success in the quickest manner. And if you look at the, the, the way in which Leon built, it was somewhat comparable to the way in which Tottenham are trying to build in a sustainable fashion over a large period of time. If you look at Leon as a case study of how to grow from the size of club that Tottenham are 
into well, they won I think seven Liga titles on the trot at one stage if I'm not wrong and they did that not spending an awful lot of money they bought the right type of player they created the right type of player if you think about Benzema they um they they essentially sustainably grew and I think that's something he believes in. I think he's quite a an ethical man. Um I think he, he believes quite a lot. I think he's quite strong headed. And if you think about the rest of his career, he's not got an awful lot left to achieve and I know that's a strange thing to say but he's the captain of his national side. Of course all players want to play in the Champions League but he's done that. Um, quite consistently with Leon until they fell away a little bit so it's not as if he's he's too desperate to play in something he never has done before if you look at his thirst to compete in something like the Europa League I think he just wants to play as many matches as he can he he always celebrates goals when we score he's you know he, he seems to buy into that collective and he's somebody who leads by example and if we can as Seb says, getting to sort of believe in the long term ambitions of Tottenham as a club then I think there's no reason that that he wouldn't want to stay for a little bit longer. There is, of course, a chance that somebody would come in with a ridiculous amount of money for him because there's a strange thing with goalkeepers where either they go for go for tuppence or they um, they go for ridiculous fees. Um, you know, when when you talk about um, Leon Raj, what was really encouraging is that when that when the last great Leon team started to disintegrate, that Janino Benzema side. Lloris wasn't immediately out of the door when they got onto that down cycle. He wasn't someone that thought, right, well, I'm not, I, I, I can't tolerate playing at a slightly lower level than I was before, therefore I, must, I'm, I need a transfer immediately. And so you, you, know, you, you think, you know, combine that with he's got a young family who presumably are being schooled in this country, and you think okay, this is, a, first of all, quite a professional player, but also seemingly quite a loyal one too. Um, but you never know. I, I, if, if someone does come into him, he's probably the one player that you look at and say, Real Madrid, if you want to go and play for Real Madrid, you've been so good, I'll probably carry you there if you want. Because he, he would deserve it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I couldn't begrudge him of that, especially after last season where... He shouldn't have the our entire, like that last season. Yeah, yeah, our entire team last season was doing their level best to <laughs> put the ball in the goal themselves. So <laughs> the fact he was our one line of defence was... Um, He's earned better than that. was exceptional. But, um, yeah, obviously, hope he stays, but, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, Jack, I think we were going to talk about Huddersfield's 2-1 win over Bolton, weren't we? Yeah, did, uh, yeah, did, uh, did Emil Heskey or Ardiger Johnson score? <laughs> Emil Heskey did score. He was actually onside, but it was um, it was shocked off for offside, which was, uh, I would say it was a shame, but town won, so I'm not really that arsed. I say it's a shame we could have seen some more proper banterous memes about Emil Heskey being better than Mario Balotelli. The world needs more of those, if I'm honest. Because they're yeah, awesome, they are aren't terrific. they? Yeah. To be honest, I, I act like I'm more holier than now about crap football content on the internet but uh, yeah no. you create a percentage of it but as we were saying <laughs> does um, does, <laughs> does does Emil Heskey do you think he enjoys the fact that he's become this sort of ironic figurehead because he's seen as being unbelievably shit or do you think he do you think he's silly enough to think that people actually support him as some sort of cult hero I, I you know I, I hate that thing around Heskey the way that he's been turned into a a joke because when he was at Leicester and in, 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 when he was at Liverpool, he was a good player, and you know he he is uh, incredibly selfless forward. Who you know he's not a spectacular goal scorer, but that was never really in the latter half of his twenties. It was never really his game, and yet you get these kind of 
YouTube kids who come along who who sort of turn him into, you know, a sort of um, uh, a, a Michael, uh, what was that guy? Is that a Bolton player who had that? Um, uh, Ricketts. There you go. You've turned him into Michael Ricketts. And you just think, he doesn't, he's, he's had a good career and he was, um, you know, as a young man, he was one of the most talented forwards in the country. Um, and yeah, he's sort of, he's the object of derision for people that, you know, uh, earn their living by playing FIFA. I mean, come on. Have I just alienated some of the audience there? No, it's like, what, what's, it's K, KSI, isn't it? He's the lad in but particular, isn't it? I'm mean, just thinking, you know, like, not, I, I don't want to be that guy that says, oh, have some respect for the professional footballer, but it's, it's not that, it's just know what you're talking about a little bit more before you sort of turn this guy into a standing joke. And I, I think he's... Um, you know, some of the games Emil Heskey played for England, like he was, you know, he was great in most of the 2002 World Cup. Now, that's a very long time ago now, but he, you know, he very rarely let the teams that he played for down. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I agree with you as well. In part, I think it's not to make it too deep. No, it's a bugbear um, of mine, so I ranted a little bit. But, but it's, I, no, no, but it's true. I mean, like I, I think some of the stuff as well I see leveled towards uh, Heskey is something that me and Raj have talking about, talking about, spoken about before. Um, there's that there's that kind of unpleasant kind of uh hint of you know racist essentially banter to it as well there's this whole kind of like you know beast rape mode yeah, exactly. type thing that follows him and it, it's just it's a bit weird and it, it's not it's not really needed but why why are we talking about Emil Heskey anyway when we've just <laughs> smashed Chelsea 5-3 like I'm going to to tell you what time it is, lads. It's five past Chelsea. Hey? Hey? Do you like that? Full that Bible, mate. That's terrific. I have, mate. (laughs) I I think I actually took that from a lad Bible tweet as well. They probably took it from That's true. That's true. It's Inception. Have you, um, on on a side side note, before we get to Chelsea and uh, the Mm. aftermath of smugness, um, have you seen the terms and conditions on the lad Bible? The most sort of comprehensive copyright protection I've ever seen. Oh, were you shitting me? You know, just huge, huge irony. Terrific. Oh, because they, was it? No, it was the Sports Bible. It's essentially the same thing. I think it must be the same thing, yeah. Yeah. It's like... uh, When they won something, didn't they, at the, whatever it is, the blogging award thing, and that didn't go down well with the audience at all, did it? Nor should it, because they are... You know, they, they've got to where they are and they earn their money through plagiarism. That's, you know, awful. And they, they actually earn money out of it as well, which is why a lot of people do take umbrage to it. And that's fair enough. Um, Rod, you're a, you're a massive fan of theirs, though, aren't you? <laughs> the Lad Bible. I was going to say, if they want to pay me to work for them, then I'd uh, happily do that. No, obviously not. Um, they're a very strange institution. I'm not entirely sure why they're as successful as they are. It's a um, very strange, very strange phenomenon. Um, it's not one that... You know, it's it's strange to argue against them as viciously as people do because they've obviously got an audience. They're obviously doing decent enough business out of their advertising and whatnot. They've got their own offices and everything. And, um, you know, when you see pictures of them at awards nights and stuff, they're obviously making enough to buy 
£20 George at Asda suits to go to these awards dinners in, so they're doing all right for themselves. So there's, uh, there's part of me that's slightly admirable uh, towards them just because to put your morals to that side so significantly in order to chase some some form of revenue is uh, is quite a task so the fact that they're doing that is uh, is uh, is alright for them but I'm, I'm not going to engage with their content but anyway we've managed to avoid the Chelsea game again here we seem to keep wanting to do this it's almost like we, we can't come to terms with, with what's happened <laughs> I mean even even watching it back on match of the day yesterday it, it, it was still like look we're, we're still we're going to fuck this up somehow like Tottenham probably the only team we can actually win in real life and fuck it up on the match of the day highlights do you know what I mean that's how spursy for want of a better word we are as a team but we 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 beat the best team in the country. You know, um, you know the best tweet during that. The uh, you know the um, <sighs> the uh, bankrupt Spurs account. But he um, he's one of the, the the best Spurs accounts on Twitter, in my opinion. But he um, at four one, he tweeted, uh, "If you're comfortable with be- with leading uh, Chelsea four one with like half an hour to go, you then you're not really a Tottenham fan." <laughs> and that's how exactly how it felt. You just thought, even at four one, you just thought, yeah, we could do it in another one. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. What, uh, I, I, you said to me, Seven, which I agree with entirely, is that the scoreline actually flattered Chelsea. I think yesterday. so. Yeah, I thought we were. I um, you know, you know what, what, what Jack? It wasn't necessarily the goals we scored. It was the goals we scored from the position we were in. Because when that Diego Costa goal went in, you just thought, "Oh, here we go," because they're just they're so formidable when they're up front. They're like a Chelsea, like that sort of end of level boss in a video game. You just think, "Well, mm. you're always going to lose." Um, but then to come back like that and to seize the momentum of the game and, and just to to put it out of reach, because it really, I mean, you know, um, it was it was it was so impressive stylistically, but also from a mental perspective. And, and I thought that. In every department, we were better. And, um, you know, had it, had it not been for Fazio's little mistake and that, that also that little bit of sloppiness to let John Terry... I mean, what is John Terry doing scoring at the back post anyway from open play? Um, but had it not been for that, then it's one of the most humiliating results Mourinho would have ever experienced. And that's... I don't know. It doesn't ruin anything. Of course it doesn't. But it's a little bit... You know. <laughs> the only team to put five past the Mourinho side isn't Barcelona. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is, Barcelona. Um, First time Pochettino's beaten Mourinho as well as uh, his record previously was quite exceptionally terrible against Mourinho, um, and the fact that they they outplayed him to such a level was fantastic. I mean, when when that game started, um, I was quite relaxed about it because I was expecting it to be quite uh, an open but an inevitable Chelsea win. If we're being honest with it, yeah. Um, but as soon as we went two one up. I kind of looked at my dad and like started hugging a pillow and <laughs> I didn't I, I genuinely I didn't like go of that pillow until the game had finished because I just had my face buried in it and just like clinging onto it like my arms felt tired by the end of it I was like gripping onto it so tight because I didn't at any stage even five two up that we were at one stage I didn't feel comfortable I still thought it still felt like something could go amiss I mean it was I actually turned to my dad at one stage and went, Dad, what's happening? Because I was just like, I, 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 my brain couldn't quite cope with what I was witnessing, but it was, having watched it back, 
it, it, what he reminded me of was the Arsenal game at the start of the year. And that's, on the face of it, that's quite a strange comparison to make, given that we were quite defensive. We sat back a little bit more and we only managed to draw that match. But essentially what this performance was, was that tactic, that game plan, that intensity and that intent, but a few more months down the line. And that just gives, it goes to show, in my opinion, what patience does, what the training methods does. I can't remember which game it was after, but one of the Sky um, people, I think, asked Pochettino after a game, or what are you going to do now? It might be BBC, actually, but uh, what are you going to do now? Is it rest, rest, rest? And he laughed at him and he said, no, it's train, train, train. It's off Man United, I think. Uh, And... That, that just goes to show that the work they're doing on the training field is working because it wasn't a completely different it wasn't a sea change from what he was being attempting to do in every game we've played so far it was just further down the line of what he's intending to do and this we may joke about the result and say oh, how fantastic it is because it obviously is and it's something that we should take time to celebrate in the moment because it's not often as a Tottenham fan you get these victories to, to kind of hang your hat on but in the long term, it doesn't mean that we're going to go the rest of the season undefeated. Yes, it does. It means we're going to win the league. <laughs> it just means that we now have the ability to build on something more, and there is now even even more of a basis there to build on and, and proceed with. And it's it's so encouraging. It's so good that it's happened this early on. I mean, I, I didn't think we'd be hitting this level until much further down the line under Pochettino. I, I've I've said repeatedly that we need to give him a season in order to implement his tactics. And that performance against Chelsea was almost perfect. And if he does manage to just carry on working on that, it's a bit like if you've ever have you ever done any woodworking where you've got to sand it down. Anyone who's ever worked with wood knows that's going to obviously be a double entendre. Um, anyone that's ever planed or sanded down wood knows that it's never really complete. You've got to carry on doing it. And that's essentially what he's doing. He's just making Tottenham as perfect as he can. And the fact that it's it's starting to bed in as quickly as it has when he's not necessarily got all the plays he wanted, he's not necessarily got the squad that's in his own image, but he's managed to find a settled team now with a few changes in between of, of who he's comfortable bringing on a substitute and who he's not. And he's clearly defined who are his players who he can rely on and who is exceptional and who is not and he's done that within half a season and I think that is fantastic work from the managers it's worryingly efficient um, there's I, as I say I, I thought it was going to take twice as long to be honest for to us to come to this level that may have been pessimism on my part but I thought I was just being realistic so this is just a, hopefully this means we, we can show a bit more of ourselves and just improve on this for the rest of this year because I still don't think this is, this this should mean that we should overestimate now what this team can do. I don't think this means that we should put too much pressure on individual players to perform and by that I mean the likes of Lloris and Vertonghen of um, yeah, of Bentaleb, uh, Kane, Chadley um, because they, they, they were all exceptional on that game. I mean, it's just... It, I think it's one that we enjoy while it's here, but I don't think we try and make too much out of it. Um, and I think we, we try and digest it for what it was as a fantastic result, but we, at the same time, we're realistic about the bigger picture because there is this fickle nature with football fans to to flip-flop in between 
gross levels of some sort of quasi-depression and then strange levels of overconfidence and there seems to be no in-between possible and we need to find that in-between, we need to be realistic and as as happy as I was, as, as elated as I was, I mean I had a spring in my step for the rest of the evening yesterday, I don't think I've I've smiled so much and, and so consistently for quite a long time and it's just one of those results where anything really m- makes anything better that goes on in the rest of your day and to be honest it still does now, the fact that Tottenham fans are still basking on it in line and whatnot, it's still still feels good and it won't won't ever stop doing that but it's just one that we've got to we can't make too much of it we've just got to be realistic with it um i think i think you know you know I, the worst thing that can happen with that game is if it, it becomes some kind of benchmark so that now you you always got to be wary of a performance in that kind of context because it's a derby it's chelsea there's always a sort of like um uh, uh, a natural amplification of, of commitment, and that, that's true for any team, whether it's Tottenham, Manchester United, Leicester City, whoever. Um, but it's it's useful as a not not, not as a benchmark, but as a reference point for the future. When those games turn up, it's like there's you know there's a, um, a value in terms of having almost like a not a not a blueprint to beat other teams, but the, the a, a casual reminder that it is possible with this group of players. And that's I don't know, just. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's so positive in so many ways. But as long as supporters don't now expect that to be the norm every single week, which invariably some will, because that's the nature of of the modern fan, I think a little bit. But yeah, great. I think uh, I've, I've got to jump in, guys, and say as much as I think it's all very well and good to be rational about these kind of things. I think when you have people paying money to go and watch a game, they uh, they should be, you know, treated to a result like that every week, and Pochettino should probably win the league. So, yeah, that, that's the first know. time I've missed having my season ticket since I, 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 let, I, I honestly, because <laughs> I, 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 I moved out of London, but I also stopped enjoying it. So it's kind of a, a, a dual reason for giving it up. But uh, it's the first time I've thought, God, I wish I was there for that. Um, it's actually the first, the first Chelsea home game I've missed since. Uh, when we beat them 2-1 with Gareth Bale and co. So I'm probably the, a bit of a curse. Man. Yeah, you can never go again. <laughs> no, I know, exactly. I've got an admission about that game. I need to get off my chest. I, um, I've been keeping this to myself. I missed... You bet on Chelsea? No, no nothing that bad. <laughs> I, um, I missed the penalty. Um, not the scoring of the penalty, I missed the awarding of it. Basically, when Danny Rose scored, he got injured in, in, the, you know, in the process of scoring. And he was sort of limping around, so I, I thought, right, nearly half time, and I have a quick rewind on the Sky Plus to see what happened. So I was doing that, and I saw, you know, he got absolutely clattered by Cahill in the, in the process of scoring. And I thought, okay, that, that's what happened. And I, um, I pressed the Sky button, I came back with Andros Townsend running up to take the penalty. And it was just, it was far too much to process in that short amount of time. So thinking, <laughs> fuck, we've got a penalty, fuck Townsend is taking it, and oh my god, Courtois looks massive in that goal. So it was, um, yeah, worked out well. Well done, Andros. Rock solid. I, 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 would, uh, I would try and claim that I wasn't shitting myself as Andros Townsend stood up to take it, but fair play to him. I, 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 wonder, uh, I wonder why that was, in particular, actually, why he, he did. Uh, he's second and before, and he's never missed. Um, I think he won one before. I haven't, haven't seen. 
Then I think he's taken a couple. Is there anyone else that you trust with one? I mean, we've seen Ericsson. Ericsson, yeah. Kane, Kane, I don't because I've seen him miss. I don't know if that's. Yeah, bad, I've seen him miss against Hearts, yeah. Uh, Chad Lee, no idea. Um, I don't know. Vatongan are- are- could probably take one. He would just leather it, which would be nice. Yeah. But, uh, I guess I'd, pro- I'd probably still feel, I don't know, purely based on the fact that he's a defender, I'd probably feel dodgy about Vertonghen taking it. So. Some of the best uh, penalty takers have been defenders, though. Look, I, I don't care. Don't try and quantify my, <laughs> don't try and quantify my spurious logic. Yeah, Bruce is a good penalty um, taker. Dennis, uh, can we talk, yeah. Can we talk can about, we talk about Gary Cahill? I want to talk about Christian Eriksen more, because oh. I love him. He's starting to look so, so good. Like, really is. Like, he, he just completely bossed Matic yesterday. You know, it's... Um, that's, what I, that's what I wanted to say about I, him. I, I, uh, we, we talked about this earlier, but I'm so impressed by how quickly he's risen his level of fitness to the level where he can press to the extent that he does. Because if you remember, when he first turned up at Spurs, he'd have, like, a good 40 minutes or a good hour... And then be just be spent for the rest of the game, and eventually he'd be substituted by Villas Boas or Sherwood or whoever. Um, but now he he goes right to the end, and he's effective. He he doesn't you know it's not just about running; it's it's being able to to press and you know to put in the physical effort, but to retain that kind of creative element to his play. And he does that now. And it's what in, in the space of three months, it's hugely impressive. <clears throat> I think there's a, a level. A flexibility that has been shown on both Ericsson's part and Pochettino's that wasn't there previously because uh, Ericsson had that moment earlier on this season where his Danish manager had said of him that he's not really improved from when he was a teenager at Ajax so it was Martin Olsen who said that about him that he's you know he, he needs to be taking games by the scruff of the net much more and I think he took that to heart because the the progression since then is is fantastic, and the progression since Pochettino's come in, especially in the the early weeks where he was slightly, you know, the, the transition wasn't an easy one for him to make, and there was, you know, the early fear before even Pochettino came to the club was that perhaps he may be sidelined in the fashion of Gaston Ramirez if he doesn't take to the system as well as he did, and I think Pochettino realised that. Not only does he have not have the level of control that he did at Southampton in order to sideline a player of that worth, because Ramirez was their their uh, record signing when he started uh, dropping him, and uh, that was purely because the, the club had the belief in him as a manager to do that. I don't think Daniel Levy, as we've seen previously when uh, Villas-Boas tried dropping Adibayor, he's he's not the type of man who will will take kindly to his. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Assets, as they, as they probably are to him, being left out when he sees them as, as something he's paying for to play, essentially. But if you look at that, the transformations of Lallana, Rodriguez, Shaw, Chambers, Schneiderlin, and, and even Lambert to an extent, they were all moulded in Pochettino's image. There was no... It didn't look like to me there was any sort of back and forth between them. Those players did what Pochettino wanted them to do. But Ericsson has got within him. He's retained, as you say, the attacking parts of his game to such a level that he's, he's massively effective. But he's brought on a new multifaceted version of himself where he can defend and press without losing that is that is absolutely fantastic and I think that is just one small reason as to why Pochettino is doing so well as he is at Tottenham because I think he has become a much more versatile manager since coming to the club I think that the small period of time he has to adjust and grow because he is still reasonably young he's shown that and I think that probably the best case study of how he's done that is is the work he's done with Christian Eriksen because the relationship they have is somewhat comparable to the one that Villas Boas and Bale had. I think Jack said that to me on the text the other day that they, they've got that sort of um, understanding, and I think that's that's a positive for us. And if he, if he's able to do that over a longer period of time with other players. And be able to build, as I say, that that ethos and that that collective mentality. Then we'll we'll be in good hands for quite a long time to come. Hopefully, it almost. I'm, I'm basing this again on absolutely nothing. Um, I'm just being essentially like a, a Tottenham Twitter fan, um, a Twitter Tottenham fan. They've crossed them all over the shop today. Apologies, um, but it just it, it does seem as though. There was almost this level of kind of Pochettino having to earn the respect of the team. And it seems as though now, like, you, you, just from the sound bites we're picking up from players that they're, they, they seem to be starting to really bond with him, not only stylistically, but also as a person as well. It seems that, like, I, I, and I can imagine being in that position where you've seen such a high turnover of players, you've seen the obvious comparisons between Pochettino and someone like AVB, and they probably worried, like, okay, you know, this is some other flash-in-the-pan manager that the chairman's brought in, let's see what he can do, so on and so forth. And, you know, maybe a, a, a stern kind of manager as Pochettino, you know, a... a firm but fair approach that he's said to have so he is very strict on fitness on training and things like that but it's said to be a very sort of warm and open guy as well um, I, it just feels as though it is all starting to fall into place but, and I've been hugely sceptical of uh, Pochettino and I was before we uh, before we brought him in um, not to the extent of like oh god why the fuck are we bringing in Pochettino but still I, I had my reservations but he's winning me round and it, it, it Really seems like the the squad are gelling brilliantly. Oh, uh, t- just to the to the degree that we're having kind of players that are managing to slot in almost seamlessly now. Um, so when when say Dembele did come on for Mason, and Dembele is another player who I'm really not that fond of. Even even he seemed to kind of be at least in sync with the with the system as such as much as for their uh, for their goal he I think there was some question marks behind his kind of determination to get back and cover but that's something that's always followed Dembele and I think probably will but it just I don't know just feels like very very good times at Tottenham if you look if you look at the cold hard facts 
of, of Ericsson um, from last season to this. Before the Chelsea game, he'd run the the furthest um, out of a, out of you know in the entire Premier League. He was fourth highest with 210 kilometres covered. And then if you look at his passing statistics as well, he was passing forwards 24 times a game last season, and that's up again now. He's He's passing shorter distances. He's passing much more accurately than he used to. His tackles per game has almost doubled, and his interceptions as well has, has had a similar sort of effect. So you can read from statistics if you actually use them properly and know what you're looking for that his game is adapting and changing. He's actually growing as a player, and similar similar sorts of things are happening all over the squad. It's not just a, a single occurrence. If you were to look at those patterns across the team, they're all becoming much rounder players. They're, they're not. They're not just. There's a tendency with some sides where they're almost like an American football team where they've got like a defensive team and then an attacking team and then the transition between the two and passing the ball between the two breaks down and that is to some level the, the issues that they were under AVB the, the the marrying of the defensive rigidity and the attacking flair just wasn't working at times and that was essentially what, what put paid to him when the defence stopped working but with Pochettino because each and every one of the players are supposed to do everything in tandem they all attack together, they all defend together, they're all aware of what their jobs are and what one another are supposed to do. It, when it works and when it happens like it did against Chelsea, it's somewhat unstoppable. When that, when that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? When the, um, uh, I can't remember what I was going to When the, I'm struggling here. Um, Lad Bible. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> Completely lost me now. Um, it was a cracking segment. <laughs> wait a second. It'll come to me in a minute. If you two carry on, I'll remember. Are we going to get a timer on you, Bangs? Really there, Rog. Um, just while you're Until on. I forgot what. Into, no, but I, there's... Um, Momentum. Momentum's the word I was looking for. Yeah, when uh, when that momentum comes in the side, then they are somewhat unstoppable. The, the irony of that, mate, the irony... That I have no momentum in what I was saying. Lost. Yeah, there you go. Superb. What were you going to say there, Seb, as well? What's been good about this process, and, and Raj's hit upon it, is that everything seems so cohesive in terms of, like, there isn't that divide between attack and defence as there was with Villas Boas. And that, in a way, just accentuates the need for some kind of patience when a manager like Pochettino comes in, because not only is that a discipline, having, you know, multiple players, you know, dropping behind the ball and screening the defence, but also transitioning into the attacking areas. There's obviously the you know the the, the the tactical learning of that process, but also um, developing the physical capability to to execute on it, and that really makes a mockery of all that you know that sort of bollocks in October about right, well, second now we've lost to Stoke or Newcastle, and it's just that's I mean it's kind of why I enjoyed yesterday so much is because it's just it shows you that. Making decisions, making you know, developing opinions at that point of a managerial reign is just a nonsense because you don't know what you're looking at. If you if you're not prepared to wait for a manager to cultivate the kind of conditions he needs to succeed, then you're not really judging him. You're judging you know nothing. Um, and so, if you're able to see little, even if they're small steps forward, and you know, yesterday was a great result, but it is still just a small step forward. You're able to see that then you're able to have a little bit of faith in the process itself. And I think that's a really useful thing for this fan base. 
How are we feeling about Harry Kane, lads? Because we probably haven't covered him as much as we should because it, it was a pretty exceptional game um, for him. He's in fine form at the moment. Um, I, I know you kind of mentioned earlier, Seb, that you don't want to get too carried away with the hyperbole and everything yet. And I'm definitely in agreement with that. Well, myself and Raja, we've spoken about this previously that, you know, I, I mean, for me, number one, I, I don't want him anywhere near the England team at least for an, at, at least for another season Michael you know, Owen I, was lobbying for it on BT Sport yesterday quite heavily but he's a total fuckwit isn't he really Michael, Michael Owen's I mean, a he's just... child for why you shouldn't be running to the ground when you're younger I mean yeah. the, thing, the thing is that like, I, I love I mean I, I still get people poking me on Twitter about this in, in the, I, I said quite you know first of all when he first turned up I hated him I thought he was dreadful and I had no faith in his ability to to, to become what he currently is. And I think, actually, the only person I've ever seen um, have any faith in him the entirety was um, was, was Chris Miller um, at Wendy Coy's. Um, but I... Coy's for come on you Spurs. But I, I still think... I stand by the comment I made. I wrote an article for Squawker some time ago saying you can't... You know, he's experiencing some great form and he's playing wonderfully well and I'm loving every minute of it. But you can't expect that to be constant you still have to look after him and I've seen too many young English players towards any of any position who hit upon a really good bit of form and who then are not protected in the right way and who are then expected to be that player from that point until the end of their career and I, I would actually I mean um, I, I'm, I'm going to be this guy and it's going to be unpopular but I would take him out of the team for two or three weeks now because he's played an awful lot of football over Christmas he's playing at a level I mean I know he played a little bit last season but he's now you know, he has become a Premier League regular very, very quickly. And you do, from a physical standpoint, have to be really cautious there. And, you know, if you look at if you look at the fixtures coming up in January, not to be arrogant about it, but it, it's very manageable. There's no, you know, there are no sides who you think, right, well, that's going to be a, a loss or that's a, that's a that's a game which requires a, a, a genuinely a full-strength 11. So you can afford now to say, all right, well, you know, you can, for a period of maybe two or three weeks, you can play every other game. Just so that he, I don't know, just so that he retains some of this sharpness towards the end of the season. And also so that he doesn't become, I mean, it's lovely to have a talisman, but you've got to avoid a situation where a young player suddenly um, is expected to produce miracles every week. Um, I think that's really I, dangerous. I, 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 I think what's quite interesting about Kane as well is it's having to realign like my own way that I look at him, my own kind of the lens that I apply to Harry Kane, because he's always been to me, like you say, when he first came in, it was just like, you know, it's another Lee Barnard. It's another Jamie Slabber. It's, it's just a young Tottenham striker, who, whatever. Precise. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then he's obviously, he's kind of, he's not going away. He's always done very well for, you know, various different England teams at different levels. He's never scored a lot um, of goals in, in club football. Which is which was always the, the I mean I I never yeah you know, you you'd see him play in Europe periodically but in, you you take note of his loan appearances and his record on loan and you never thought there was never a point at which you thought right well that stands out as a contribution maybe this guy does deserve some time and the the rise has been miraculous I mean incredible I, I you know cheerfully admit that I could not be more wrong about him but you know. He's he has gone from being like a, a figure of fun to now a player that I, I don't want to say is 
someone that should be taken, well, he should, of course, be taken seriously. But, I mean, not someone that we should be definitely, unequivocally saying, he is our new Teddy Sheringham. But there is... I don't know. It felt like yesterday was a. It, it was almost a corner in that he's he's becoming a bit less of a Danny Welbeck type figure. As in, that's probably quite harsh because Danny Welbeck is a is a decent player, um, a very good player, really. But if, if you know what I mean, Danny Welbeck has a huge cult following as well, and I think Harry Kane was becoming that player in in terms of yeah, he's he's kind of whatever. He's maybe a similar level to someone like. Charlie Austin, for example, and that that probably is the level he's kind of at at the moment. I think he's, um, um, I think it's that level. I think he's a slightly different, slightly different type of player to Austin. He reminds me, I, and I, 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 I'm pretty sure I got shouted out on Twitter for saying this. He reminds me a little bit, just in terms of the way he plays the game, of a of a young teenage Wayne Rooney, um, just in a sense that. Rob Brown might like um, that one. No, I, 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 <laughs> I, and I, I, and I accept that, I, and I know, I know what's coming from me saying that. But I, it just in terms of it's the it's the way he plays the game and the instinct, and it's just he's just this ball of um, physicality and enthusiasm and energy, and that it's not you know there's no real stylistic comparison with Rooney, but just it's those sort of it's just the, the nature of him as a footballer, which which is is reminiscent. Um, and it's it's lovely, and that, that second goal, first goal was great, but the second goal yesterday was um, was beautiful. Just um, tiptoeing around Matic, easing around him, that's a gorgeous finish. My biggest fear of Harry Kane is, as you say, the <clears throat> the culture in this country of allowing a player to be sucked into the hype machine and then swallowed and spat out the other side. It's something that I've, I've spoken a lot about regarding Andros Townsend because I don't think you have to look far for a player that had a very similar hot patch of form and then was elevated to probably the height of individual football playing internationally still um, and it was almost an excuse then for Townsend to say what I'm doing now is all I need to do yeah, you to about get into the squad yeah, yeah and since then Townsend hasn't played as well because he was given too much too soon and it's not something that happens in any other country really not at least in none of the decent ones none of the None of their young players are escalated before they are ready to be in the national side or be in the very best sides. You're not going to find a 19-year-old who's still raw playing for Germany or playing for Italy or Spain. And they're going to be rounded and they're going to they're going to do their time in the youth teams and they're going to do as much as possible in there before they're allowed to prove themselves and have an opportunity in the national side. Whereas if you were to listen to the likes of Michael Owen, and no doubt there'll be some sort of opinion piece cropping up in one of the papers sooner, sooner rather than later about Harry Kane and how Hodgson will be watching him and how he, how he needs to be included in the England side. There's no, there's no need about it. You know, that's the thing, isn't it? So, it, it, sorry, Raj, I'll cut you off there. No, that's, that's fine, but it's just... It, it's just, it's very dangerous to try and keep a player's feet on his ground and to try and get him to progress in the manner he needs to to become the most complete footballer he can if you just give him everything on the plate before he's ready for it. And that doesn't mean I don't think Harry Kane's a fantastic player. That doesn't mean I think he's he's not going to go on to, to play for England in the future. That just means that I want to safeguard his future and 
ironclad his progression as much as possible in a very selfish manner because I want him to play his best football for Tottenham, not England. I don't really care about the national team set up when you compare it to my club. I'd rather he played that football for, for Tottenham and if the way we do that is just to say if, if there's any way that we can insist that he plays for England at a youth level and doesn't go into the internationals because I think that's that's when he he becomes a household name that's when the pressure really starts mounting that's when he if he goes through three or four games where he doesn't score perhaps he's not playing as well as he could be in those three or four games that's when the pieces start coming out that he's a he's a, he's a one one trick he pony he's a, a myth or something which would be really destructive yeah. to him at the moment I, th- I think the only thing I would say in countenance to this is that Harry Kane he does strike me as the type of player that's almost to get to where he is now he's kind of fought against a lot of adversity as it is you know he's he has had kind of you know it seems like he's been written off derided called a donkey consistently throughout he's almost been treated as a figure of fun that done when it. he was it's been, it's, it's, yeah it's, of course know, of course we have done one of those things where it's like a small corner of the internet it's been pretty wide no no exactly um and i think with a player like andrus townsend who you know, I know we've we've had differing opinions about him in the past, Raj, and I, I know you're not you know massively anti-Townsend. I'm not massively pro-Townsend, um, but at the same time, I, I do think there is a decent player now. I do. I actually think he's steadily improving as well. Um, but I agree with you in that I think a lot of that the press kind of you know exaggeration probably did get to his head. The fact he did play for England and had a contributing role to them qualifying for the World Cup and all of the fanfare that surrounded that probably did get to his head. Um, but it, it's it's almost like for, for Andrews Townsend, yeah, there, there is this propensity, especially with the England team, to heap a lot of kind of hyperbole and pressure onto exciting quick wingers. You know, it's just something that we tend to do. We, we've done it with Jermaine Pennant. We did it with Aaron Lennon. We did it with Theo Walcott. We did it with Adam Johnson. Um, I'm sure there's plentiful other examples where England have done that. And I think that's something that Townsend's fallen into. And I almost get the feeling that with a player like Harry Kane, were he to be called up for the England team? And again, I don't want him to be. But I just... It feels like... I don't know, it's just watching him play against Chelsea yesterday. I mean, Chelsea are a... For, for you know, for everything that we did to them and for, you know, whatever, John Terry being ageing... He's still having, I think, his one of his best ever seasons he's had. I still say that's the best centre back pairing in the league at the moment. To be fair, that Terry Cahill and also those those two fullbacks are, I, you know, with the exception of maybe Zabaleta, I wouldn't trade them away for anybody. So you know, exactly. I mean, they're a, they're a solid team. They don't they don't concede goals for fun like they did yesterday very often but with Kane it's I'm not comparing him to Bale for a second in terms of his ability but with his attitude it just seems like and I was talking about this earlier um, it seems like there is just this air of not arrogance but just he just has this self-assured nature of like, yeah, I understand that you're a good player, but I'm good and I know I'm good and I'm, I'm, I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of like this team that I'm playing against. And he, he just seems to be like a lad that loves playing football. And I, I know this is going along that whole decent bloke route, you know, proper no, football. But I lad, think that's a good point though. I think, I, I think there's, there's, there's a fearlessness, Jack. It's yeah, like, uh, yeah, the irony yeah, of all this um, stuff of like, he's one of our own is that actually 
he's not a typical Tottenham player in any way at all because Spurs players typically are, you know, um, really inhibited. They fade away when they're when they're matched up with illustrious opponents, and he doesn't. That's the kind of that's a, the Rooney thing I was getting at earlier. Doesn't really care for the reputations of the players he's playing against, which is great. Really good. I think I, I, I almost. I, I think that's where I kind of see a lot of sharing them in him. Um, I think it's it's a lazy comparison to make, and it's quite an easy one to make. I don't think they're that similar. I did it yesterday in the height of delirium. Um, <laughs> we all got carried away on Twitter. It's probably why I should stay away from from Twitter altogether, really. But there's many other reasons. Um, but. It, I don't know. There, there is a lot there that's similar to Shogun, but there's there's also quite a lot that is. I, I don't think he. Uh, I don't know. It's too early to say, really. How good, no, he is. He's our new Teddy Shogun. He I, is. I, I just. No. I um. I just think it's it's fun to watch a player like that, and and you know it's actually quite easy to to pick him apart and pick the holes in his game, and and you know say he needs to improve this, that, or whatever. But it's just nice to see a player play with that attitude. Everything that you've just said, basically, it's just doesn't care that it's John Terry or Cahill, and you know he he and, and similarly, it was exactly the same at Stamford Bridge in the early part of that game. He wasn't you know wasn't intimidated by where he was playing. He just thought, all right, give me the ball. I love that in a Tottenham player because it's so rough. Yeah, Bale had it, but you know um, over the last twenty years, you know Ginola maybe or Ginola definitely Van der Vaart. Um, but Berbatov, yeah, certainly uh, Modric, but there haven't been that many who just who don't kind of shrink into their inferiority complexes when they're playing at Old Trafford or Highbury or now the Emirates or whatever. They, you know, they're actually just you know they even actually rise to the occasion, which is lovely to see. Exceptional. Um, let's go on to some of our listener questions. Sorry if this is going on a bit for anyone listening, but I don't care. <laughs> um, we have one from at Billy T. I'm sure you're all familiar with his work. He uh, he asks, how do we fill the Benteleb-shaped hole? Because he's obviously he's going off to the African Cup of Nations. Um, I, I assume we'll be losing him for a, for a month now. Um, he's another player that I've been very sceptical of in the past, but he seems to be growing in stature. Had an exceptional game yesterday as well. Uh, and his, well, his absence will be noted, I'd say. Um, how, how would you best cope with it, Raj? Who's your, I mean, it seems to be Paulinho really over Dembele that seems to be, uh, Pochettino's go-to guy at the moment, wouldn't you say? It'd be one of the two, uh, Capu as well. I'm not sure if he's in contention or not. He's uh, he, seems he seems to have disappeared completely. <clears throat> yeah, he seems to have been discarded along with Adibayar and and Kabu, um, uh, Kabu, Kabul. Um, Kabu. Even Lennon, perchance. Uh, I think Lennon's actually injured. I don't think Lennon is part of the brigade that have been locked away, uh, so to speak. I'm not entirely sure where they are. They they seem to have been ousted. Uh, so that'll be an interesting development to see where their futures lie. To be honest. Um, but uh, what are we talking about, Bentley? Yeah, it'll it'll be a mix between. I mean, Stambouli's been dropped in and out of the uh, the Premier League squad. He seems to be much more favoured in the cups. So it's just going to be a matter of. Um, 
rotating the squad, to be honest. And, and the extent to the injury of Ryan Mason is going to be quite uh, interesting as well because if if it means that we've got an extended period where the pair of them aren't playing, that could be quite uh, harmful, to be honest, because they're the, the most settled central midfield partnership we've had uh, under Pochettino and the most successful one so it's going to be a test of uh, of Pochettino squad management um, I'm not sure there's a, a ready made replacement or one that I'd favour over another to be honest it's just a uh, the management have to evaluate who's going to be able to do that job best against which opponents Oh, there we go. Um, let's go to one for... Um, do, 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 do. Okay, we've got one from Paxton Coatesy, um, who is at David Coates 47 um, who asks, what should our transfer policy be for the next five years? Big buys or more youth? Um... What would you say to that one, Seb? I'm, I'm assuming by more youth, he's meaning from our own ranks as opposed to buying. Um, I think. Well, I think. I think everything. If you're, if you're going to talk within a five-year time scale, I think everything has to be referenced against what's happening with the new stadium. I think that's um, because that's obviously in play. It's going to cost a huge amount of money. And it's not a new stadium. It's the new NFL dome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with astroturf, it, would be, it should be fun. Um, Kill me I think, now. I think the priority always has to be. I, no, I, I'm not someone who pretends to know an awful lot about the academy or who is good within it. I just I rely on secondhand information from more informed people. Um, I think the priority should always be if there's a youth product who is available. I think that's the way to go ahead of spending 25, 30 million on a player who you know might fail, would have to adjust. You know, every transfer is essentially a risk, and so yeah, um, there are obviously going to be occasions when. You know, you're not going to be able to find the exact, exact player you need from inside the, you know, the existing um, uh, from within the club. So it's on a needs must basis. I think you don't, you, you can't really have a, a single guiding rule about that. Um, I think it's worth bearing in mind, just in case people get frustrated in the future, the days of certainly in the short term, the days of spending 25, 30 million pounds are over. On, on single players because the club just isn't going to be in a position to do that anymore. I mean, the, the summer with the bail sale obviously exaggerated you know, the, the financial muscle um, of Enoch. Um, so just, um, it's going to be, I, I, I'd expect shrewd business more than, you know, there's not going to be any kind of prolific Redknapp-esque, you know, let's do a deal for the sake of doing a deal stuff. It's going to be, um, it's going to be quite measured. And also, look, worth remembering that, um, that we we, we had to see really what what Paul Mitchell uh, has in plan uh, as in um, has in store. So let's just uh, I don't know. Let's not guess about that. Really, I keep forgetting about the black box. Yeah, I can't wait to can't wait for the uh, yeah. <laughs> Jack, Jack, are you gonna are you gonna sing, Jack? Right on time. No, do it properly. Do, do it properly. It's too far. Right on time. <laughs> there we go. Oh, thank you. How's that was a um, boring falsetto. Uh, that was. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, my volume has turned up way too high on these headphones. <laughs> that's uh, that's that. 
essentially what Jack does in the shower is just sing that song I think um, but I, I was going to say yeah I, I'd agree it has to be a mixture of the two I'm not sure if Hugo Ekiog is in charge of like North London's answer to La Masia over there or not but um, we've, we've got to we've got to try and bring in as many youth team players as we can as long as they're good enough as long as they're of a level I think the players that we can't can't turn down the opportunity to buy uh, if there's a player of the level at the price that we've bought, say, the likes of Lloris or Ericsson for in between that 10 to £15 million pound bracket, who are clearly either proven in another league or proven in the Premier League and are of a, of a decent age, have potential if they are coached properly and look as if they will be able to contribute to Pochettino's plan. Even a player of, of Fazio's level who obviously has uh, took a little bit of time initially to uh, fall into place within the side in the league and he's still not 100% there. I mean, that, that mistake against Chelsea was quite appalling the way in which he just sort of ran into three players and, and left them with an overlap. But uh, obviously it, it came to nothing um, in terms of result. But he, the fact that he's now bedded in with a, a proper centre-back partnership, that seems to be helping Jan Vertonghen no end. He seems to actually be quite happy to play in the centre-back because he knows what his partner's been doing. It, it seems to be helping the side. So I think if we're, if we're going to be making signings, they need to be able to be of that level where they can come into the side and, and be seen to be able to contribute straight away. Um, with I say that, that that price bracket between about ten to fifteen million is probably going to be where we're going to be able to spend while this um, while this London NFL franchise stadium is built where Whitehall Lane used to be. I think it's also so worth you know like it's always going to depend on who leaves. I mean, if, if all of a sudden you know if a really top tier club decides they want Ericsson, then you know we know how that story finishes, and you know that's the point at which you know your, your transfer strategy is always going to fluctuate depending on your circumstances so it's, it's it's really hard to yeah yeah I mean if you look at look at our best players this season it would probably be Lloris uh, Kane Chadley and Ericsson and none of those were break the bank signings I mean out of all of them Ericsson yeah Lloris was 13-14 yeah 13-14 so none of them were very expensive signings. These are most Premier League clubs would probably stretch themselves to that much. I mean, I think there are some of the the lower down ones that still have you know, record signings of about eight million pounds, but that's a rarity now. I mean, you've got the likes of Hull spending uh, upwards of ten million and and uh, Southampton paying that much for players. So it's not as if these these sides. Excuse me. Don't have the uh, the money to be paying for it. It just needs to be us that that recognises them and brings them in. And hopefully, as you say, Paul Mitchell is is able to do that with his um, with his software. The thing is, is, you know, when you bring someone like Paul Mitchell in, it's worth remembering also that there's got to be a bit of a time lag involved because you know <laughs> he's got to build his black box, whatever. But he also, you know, there's got to be a, you know a development phase. Um, when he first arrives at the club and before he starts making decisions or advising people or, you know, working out a balance between him and uh, Pochettino and Baldini, it's, you know, that, that's not an immediate thing. So I wouldn't expect anything to happen in January. And, you know. am, I yeah. the, am I the only... Go on, Jack. Go on. 
I was going to say, I wasn't going to make a serious point. I was just going to say, am I the only one who thinks of the black box as more of a concept than a physical no, thing? No, I want it to be a physical like, thing. Definitely, definitely. No, no, no I, I want it to take yeah, up a room. Because I, 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 uh, I always think of it as like Paul Mitchell is like Sherlock and he just kind of presses his fingers to his temples <laughs> and enters the black box and then <laughs> it closes his eyes and then like just wakes up five minutes later and he goes, Victor Wanyama. James Ward-Prowse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, no, I definitely want it to be a physical thing. I want it to be a room which is is painted black, which you can only access by using one of those kind of fingerprint scanning thing. Definitely, I, I, I think we need that. That's that's yeah. All right, because I had I had sort of like um, the X Men room in mind, that thing where. Um, Patrick Stewart gets rolled in and puts that thing on his head and then just sort of scans the world. That was my, my concept of the block box. But anyway, Jackie, I think you were going to make a, a proper point. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on that, mate. <laughs> How long have you been doing this with me now? <laughs> um, I was, I was just going to say, I think the, the thing that is encouraging about, I guess, our, our youth set up at the moment is when you do consider it, we're, we're, we're at a place now whereby we can spend four or five million or so on essentially squad players like we have done in the past. And we still do really like with the likes of Stambouli. Um, that's the only example I can think of to mind at the moment. But you, you get where I'm coming from. Kirikesh, perhaps, Stambouli, these type of players. And if we do have a kind of conveyor of talent that we can just... I guess, for for want of a better expression, wheel in to plug holes as and where they exist. Uh, you know, these a lot of these lads might not be... I mean, the likes of Ryan Mason, I think he's a very good player, again, with Ben Taleb, but more so with Mason. I think Mason is perhaps a player that, yeah, he's, he's, he's maybe not going to be a, a Premier League star, but at the same time, he's taken to the Premier League very well. He's looking like a solid player, um, as did, say, someone like Jake Livermore, who's now carving out a very established Premier League career. Um, Stephen Colker, again, at uh, QPR as well now, who a lot of people were unhappy to see us get rid of, but I still think it was probably the right decision. Um, but, you know, if we if we can kind of bring in these players, there is, like you were saying, Seb, there is less of that gamble. And there's also, I think, like, they have a certain, I, I guess, attribute that transcends their actual ability on the pitch as well, in that they know the club, they've trained with a lot of the players for a long time. Um, they'll no doubt, you know, know a lot of the players in the squads that are actually playing first team football as well. So there is less of that gamble, and there is less of that having to bed a player in. Um, Be patient, tolerate and, all the negativity. Well, you know, it's just well, well, precisely, and I think the the crowd as well will always give a lot more time to a player that has been brought up through the youth system. So I think even if you know we do end up selling them, as we have done with someone like Jake Livermore, um, it still means that in that interim we don't have a kind of like glaring hole in the squad or anything like that. It, it just means that we have almost like a, a, a good roll call of caretakers that we can bring into uh, to, to play for the team and do a very good job. And again, I'm not, I'm not digging out the likes of Ryan Mason or anyone like that, but 
I just, I don't know, I just think it's it's a good thing. And I, I think as long as we can keep bringing players like that through, um, it's going to be because we could probably easily sell someone like Mason now or Ben Taleb for upwards of £6 million, which I, I know, again, that shouldn't be the... But it's a nice reality. It's a nice <sighs> option to pre- have. Precisely. I mean, the point about the crowd is really, really um, valid too, because I think if you note the difference between... It, 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 there's a there's a real difference in patience, and there's, there's definitely... Um, a different kind of reaction to a Kane, Bentaleb, Mason type within White Hart Lane than there would be to someone that's come from the outside, especially Kane, because he's the kind of player that like, he's been great, but he missed quite a few chances over the Christmas period. Um, and if that had been a Soldado or an Adebayor, the crowd would have reacted very differently. Whereas because it's Kane, because he's a homegrown player. You know, there's more of a kind of don't worry about it, get on with it, score the next one kind of mentality, which is just it's so much healthier than, and that's how it should be at a, at a you know, that's how a supporter should react to a um, to a player, and, and so you really can't within reason and you know within the bounds of, of quality, you can't have enough of those types, really. I don't think. Yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> We, yeah, I couldn't. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. You've, you've put it much more succinctly than I have. I'm just oh, jealous of your lyrical, yeah. your lyrical intellect, Seb. That's, That's fine. All. Whatever. Let's move on. I'm just being put in my, <laughs> just being put in my place. You just you're managing to say stuff in a, le- you know, in a less farty, guffy, rambling fashion than I am. You know, I'm being put to shame. I'm just jealous. Jealous. That's all. Um, well, I, I don't like Raj. He refused to meet me when I was in Yorkshire lately, so I'm, yeah, you two I'm, you know, have he's, never he's met, in my bad books at the moment. No, we haven't, I which is kind of weird. Um, my um, weirdly, uh, when I when I um, when I appear on on here, I um, my mother listens, and um, we were talking about this over Christmas. She she couldn't believe that you two had never met. I, I, I steer I, I steer it away from that Everton podcast that we did because that was a little. Not we done there that I didn't really want my mother hearing. If I'm honest. Um, but, uh, yeah, generally she's like, they just sound like very good old friends. So, there you go. Oh, that's nice of her. Thank, thank you very so much. much. So there, there you go. Hello, if you're listening. I'm not... Pr- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I now can't help but... <laughs> picture what your mother looks like and in my head she's some sort of I don't mean to offend but she's some sort of like Margaret Thatcher type like a very <laughs> strong woman I don't, I don't mean to offend but <laughs> no I don't mean she's like evil like Margaret Thatcher was uh, I mean she's that sort of like strong old lady mm, you, I don't mean to call her an old lady either I'm just I, I apologise careful with the phraseology that she doesn't like old anything so yeah, she's um no, no, she's, uh, no, this is, there's no Thatcher uh, element to her, thankfully. I mean, Margaret Thatcher won't be listening to this podcast anyway, I'm so. Not, no. The amount of time I've sat here and talked about emails I've got from Labour halfway through the podcast, she definitely won't be listening <laughs> to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's segue out of this quickly. <laughs> yeah, let's move. Anyway, let's move I, I apologise for that. Thank, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. It does mean a lot that people listen to it. I didn't mean to insult you in any way whatsoever. Um, this is this is a salient point. I'd say we'll, we'll just do one last listener question. Um, got one from David Fouser, Fouser perhaps, um, who is at Journeyman Histo, uh, who asks, "What are your thoughts on fatigue?" Um, and squad rotation or lack thereof. 
because I, I think that's that's a pretty salient point to be honest actually there's there does seem to be that almost lingering shadow over the likes of Kane over the likes of not so much Bentaleb now but perhaps some of our other players that have been playing a lot like Chadley as well Ericsson that they are running the risk of getting burnt out the amount of well miles kilometres that they're putting in every game the amount of games we are playing and Pochettino's seeming lack of trust in uh, some of the other squad players which again has not not unfounded he has given a lot of the squad ample chance to impress and they obviously haven't um but it, it has to be a worry doesn't it we've got a good opportunity to rest them we've got um Burnley away on the FA Cup on Monday night and I think that'll be a squad with the likes of Kirikesh Dyer um if he's fit Vorm uh, Soldado Stambouli it'll be that that level of player who would Perhaps just on the fringes of the um, the very best side that the Pochettino has been playing recently, the one they seems to be favouring. So I think there's a there's an opportunity there for them to be rested. But I don't think the ethos of Pochettino is really to allow too many of them to rest, um, purely because. He seems to favour just relentless amounts of training and building them up to such a physical peak that they are able to sustain themselves across a season and then they can obviously have the summer off. So I think there is a very high intensity um, present within the squad already, so I don't think they're going to be too badly fatigued. I think the the only thing that could affect them is, is mental uh, fragility across that amount of time because having to maintain focus for such a long time is uh, is a very hard thing to do. I don't think I can do it for for ten minutes, never mind ten games in a row. So um, allowing them that time to just sort of relax and, and not have to worry about playing a match within a couple of days is um, is is quite uh, important. But we, we've had we're going to have two months now back on back with December and January where we're going to have an awful lot of games to play because we've got the um, the the semi final against Sheffield United uh, this month as well, so it's it's a very very busy period. I mean, we can't really complain about a cup semi final or being in the FA Cup or anything. Like that. I wouldn't want us to see us shirk that responsibility or to be playing any less matches. Um, it's just one of those things that probably in the long term will stand us in good stead if we were to in a season or or even miraculously in this season if we were to qualify for something like the Champions League we will have a lot of matches to to be juggling a lot of high intensity matches to be juggling and being used to that being able to manage that and having a having a manager who is able to use his squad and the best possible manager across such a busy season is not a bad thing to have practice in so I don't think it's a negative uh, per se I just think it's um, it's down to Pochettino being able to um, do his best squad management because we've seen the the uh, the, the downside to never uh, rotating a squad with uh, Redknapp in that last season of his where he just seemed to pick the same eleven players until they were literally so tired that they they could no longer. Uh, perform to the level that they did at the start of the year I mean Scott Parker especially I think that was the last good season he ever had um, in, in football to be honest because he, he then went on and had to do exactly the same uh, workmanlike job for England in the Euros and, and doing that for so long at his age essentially just used up whatever whatever energy he had left and now he's now he's a, a championship midfielder whereas if he'd, if he'd not if he'd been used more sparingly he, he could probably perhaps 
could still be playing in the Premier League somewhere as a squad player. So it's um, it's an interesting one to have. I think it's I think it's a case by case basis, uh, depending on how the players feel and and how we're treating them. Because um, you don't know to what level they're training, of course, because there are there are some people who just um, have a jog around and whatnot. So it's. It's depending on what level they're going to be in. I think it's... Uh, I, I know most managers, um, from what I've read into it, like having their players within a routine of being into the training ground, whether or not they're fit or not, just so they're present and they're aware of their responsibility to the club. Um, and if their training levels are just perhaps more meetings-based and things like that rather than actually being out on the field. Um, we're, we're, of course, we're not privy to that information, but the, the work that they're doing there is obviously doing some good. So the, the longer they continue that, and if it, if it help, helps us in the long term, I don't see a downside to it. Uh, anything no, to mate, add, that was pretty complete. No, I, I agree with all of that. I, um, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. Amazing, right? Um, let's uh, let's move on very quickly then to well, I guess we've got the the FA Cup game against uh, Burnley up next. Um, you you you'd like to see us go through in that, as you've said there, Raj. I think you know, winning some winning a trophy is always something like a club that what any club should be aiming for, but especially a club like Spurs, we haven't won anything for a while. We haven't, especially haven't won the FA Cup for quite some time, so it would be nice, but. Burnley's going to be a tough game, I think, away. And if we are going to be fielding a kind of second string, if you like, it's not a fixture we should take for granted, really. Um, can you can you see us pulling it off, though, nonetheless? I have to work that game, which is just an accident waiting to happen. Um, I've never worked a Tottenham game before, so it's going to be a very odd experience having to be within an office professional environment and having to be somewhat... Um, somewhat uh, neutral while the match is being played I'm not sure whether or not I'm going to be able to do that to the best of my abilities or not while Tottenham are playing so it's going to be a very strange one for me I'm not sure if I'm going to actually enjoy this one in any sort of level uh, doing what I do so we'll see, I, I hope we win obviously um, I think it's worth remembering I hope. Um, that Burnley have, have, have um, picked the same side I think for the last five or six games so they, I expect Sean Dyche to, to put out a, very much a second eleven. So I don't think that you know we should be too concerned with the players that we put out. Really, um, I think it's kind of it's an even more winnable game than it would normally be. Just a uh, famous last uh, words. Well, the, thing yeah. is, the FA Cup is. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty honest about this. I, I, I hate the FA Cup. I, 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 I hate the way it's presented. I hate the way it's televised. I, I hate the way it gets in the way of things which are more interesting. But it's one of these competitions where you are right, where, you know, it is something you want to win. But my mentality is, okay, well, if we're still in it by the quarterfinal stage, then I'll start getting interested in it. But up until that point, there are just greater priorities. And I think that, you know, already being in a League Cup semi-final, knockout stage of the Europa League, and, you know, looking relatively good in the Premier League, that those are your priorities because those are already established realities. FA Cup is, I don't know, you... It's just uh, it's a great competition, all that, you know, all the hyperbole, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, it's uh, you know, we're not necessarily the best equipped squad to be fighting on four different fronts through the new year. So, you know, if we go, if we go out without being embarrassed by some 
terrible League Two side, fine. It's all right. You know, it's really against the spirit of football, but you know, it's kind of a probably um, probably the most most sensible way to look at it. I think. I think you're an absolute disgrace, disgrace uh, for saying that. To be honest, game, mate, bad that's... order. Never allowed back. That's yeah, it. I know. It's just it's hard, mate. It's you know the FA Cup when. I love the FA Cup in the early rounds when it's you know I, I remember I watched the um, the uh, the game when Warrington went through in the first round and I, I watched all of the um, Worcester Scunthorpe I think it was that that sort of endless penalty shootout and it's great because I love I love sort of the honesty of football at that level when it gets beyond the third round and when it becomes about um, you know when the when the television companies get the opportunity to show Manchester United and Liverpool. Uh, then it just becomes a, a diluted version of the Premier League because you, you know how it's going to be covered and you know it, it's just it becomes this irritation. It's like a like a, a, a winter cold that shows up every January and, and just you know stops you sleeping. It's that kind of thing, and it's annoying. Um, <laughs> definitely a disgrace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, mate. That's um, just epic, absolutely. Don't know. If, if we're, we're in a position to win it by the quarterfinal stage, I'd completely change my attitude. But until then, everything else comes first because these are things that we've worked towards up until now. Um, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. You're never coming back on this pod again, mate. Right, that's it. Never again. Rightly so, too. Awful. Awful, mate. You, you might as well support Man City. Yeah. Um... Who have we got next in the league? We got Crystal Palace, haven't we? Yeah, because we're not we're not actually going to speak to anyone from Crystal Palace because we just spoke to someone and we wanted to have full reign to talk for coming up to two hours now. So uh, here we are. Um, they gave us a good game at the lane. I would still like to say they're a team that we should be beating. Uh, should is a silly word to use, but a team that I feel that we can beat. Um, and I would like to see us win, obviously. Um, do, you, do you share the optimism at all, lads? I think we will beat them, to be honest. Uh, not a place I like going, Sahas Park. It's just... Just to, just because it's in Croydon? No, or? no, I, love the ex- I, no I love the experience of actually going to it, because I, I honestly believe it's... Um, I mean, I, I haven't been since they came back to the Premier League, but I honestly still believe it's one of the best atmospheres in the country. Um, it's certainly one of the best I've been to, one of the best I've experienced. But just in terms of, uh, I, I don't know, maybe I'm working with old associate, old Tottenham associations about you know going to awkward places and playing against obdurate sides. But it's just, um, I don't know, I, I, you never like playing a side once they when they after they've recently changed manager. And as little respect as I have for Alan Pardew, like the awesome relief of not being managed by Neil Warnock anymore is probably going to be a good thing for that Palace team. And um, I don't know. They're a, they're 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 a tricky opponent. They're not probably as good as we allowed them to be when they came to White Hart Lane, but they um they're still awkward. So I wouldn't I, I wouldn't necessarily be overly confident. What about you, Roger? What about you, Roger Baines? Try and beat them. <laughs> <laughs> you, Love you it, know, mate. interesting though, like in the amount of stuff that gets said about um, Yannick Bellassi since um since that game against Spurs, he's been turned into a kind of Ballon d'Or winner. he's like um, he's like a contemporary Darren Huckabee in a sense he does amazing things but he's ultimately not that good 
He just he's a, he's a guy that when he's on form, he looks excellent. But you know, when he reverts to his average, he's just a he's quite an ordinary player. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Not sure. I get all the fear with Blassie, really. Um, but I'm sure that will turn up to bite me in ten days' time. <laughs> Ripped us to pieces. What you what what are you going to say for score, Baines? I don't know. Um, uh, three one. Tottenham, obviously. Good man, Seb. I'll take one one. Yeah, I just that that that, that new manager thing. Is mm. If it was Warnock, I'd, I'd go for us the win, but no, it's just uh, I'll be reserved. I'm going to say two on Tottenham. That's it. Two on Tottenham. Um, well, I think it's been a it's been a comprehensive show today, lads. It's good to see in the new year with a with a good old chat amongst the podcast lads, because that's what we all are proper lads, um, proper lads, uh, proper football lads. Um, if you do want to listen to any of the previous episodes of Rule the Roost podcast, you can do so on iTunes and by visiting SpursStatman.com, where we've got a kind of widget thing that leads to all the previous episodes and obviously has a host of Tottenham-themed editorial as curated by Mr. Raj Baines. Um, is there anything going up this week at all, Raj? It's a customary question. I haven't looked at my email. That's it. That's it. It's a man in charge. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's spinning all those plates with a plum. Um, so, yeah, basically go to SpursStatman.com. Also, be sure to follow at SpursStatman, because that is the boss, Mr. Jack Pettiford or JP, as I usually call him. Um, you follow us at RTRSSM. Um, obviously, we'll just talk crap from that most of the time. And it is mainly Raj doing that as well. Um, unless there's something particularly controversial that starts getting dug out, and then he'll generally say it was me that did it. Um, <laughs> that's a knowing laugh, right? That's a guilty <laughs> laugh. Baines. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, what more can I say other than we put five goals past Chelsea? It's a good start to 2015. Come on, you Spurs! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.